Welcome, everybody, to Spirit Addicts by Sideline Sports Network. We're here on the lovely week of Miami Hate Week. Uh, Florida State takes on Miami uh, Saturday at 7.30, prime time. Miami fans in Miami should be thanking Florida State for putting them back on national television instead of ESPN3 or Bailey Sports, whatever it's called. Um, they're going to be on ABC, so they should be excited. Probably the last game of the year that they're televised. Um you might be able to catch them on YouTube TV or something, but you won't be able to catch them after this game. Um, also, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Game Day Vodka. Uh, they are an all-American facility. Their vodka is distilled here in the United States. They're bottled in the United States. They're labeled in the United States. It is sold in the United States. So if you could go to their website, as long as you're 21 years or older, and purchase either their... Um, just their 750 milliliter bottles of vodka, um, which is very smooth, by the way. They have a really cool way of that they distill it. Um, it's a COT process that they do that causes it to be extra smooth. You can read all about it on their website. Also, you can pick it up on ABC Wine and Spirits, and you can also pick it up at Publix um, Spirit Store, which is usually connected to all of the Publix grocery stores. We are going to – we talked a little bit about Miami and Georgia Tech last week or Monday. Um, we are going to be talking strictly about Miami this week or today. And um, I made a huge mistake today. I decided to try to help and educate um, some Miami fans who were asking a lot of NIL questions. And because of Crow – uh, being in there is the reason why I went in there. And um, I mistakenly said the wrong athlete's name. And I completely went from being the okay Florida State fan to enemy number one. Um, I apologize to uh, Miss uh, Kelly, which she knows who she is, for stating her son's name wrong. Um, it was not her son that I was trying to say. But I do ask people to forgive me for I talk to over 70-something athletes uh, on a weekly basis. So the name that was stuck in my mind because of the name that was brought up multiple times was the wrong name. Um, that's as far as I'm going with that. That's the best apology you'll ever get from me. And I'm only apologizing to Miss Kelly. I am not apologizing to the Miami assholes that were in the space. Um, I tried to explain myself. They didn't want to hear it. So I will never go into a Miami space again. Um, I've learned my lesson. Uh, they are a different breed. They are not – I don't think that's humanity at all. I think they might be actually psychotic because I received a message afterwards that said if I showed up to the Miami and Florida State game that I would be executed. So it's just a football game, one. Uh, two, it's not that serious. Um, three, you might want to go get mental help. You might want to check yourself into a mental institution. Let them check you out because you have problems if you want to kill me for even if I was saying everything dead wrong and was against you to want to kill somebody, you might want to get that checked out. But moving on, um, I don't know what that person will do to themselves if Florida State comes and kicks Miami's ass. Hopefully they do not harm themselves before they find and seek help. Um, but Florida State's going to take on Miami Saturday, 730. It, for some reason... For Florida State fans, it seems like we're getting excited and pumped up about it. 
And I believe that some Miami fans are excited for the game, I, I would hope. Um, I don't know how much, you know, I don't know how much they're believing in their team to win the game or pull out a win. This is a rival. Crazier things have happened. We have been much better and lost to a worse Miami team. Well, maybe not a worse Miami team, but just as bad. Um, there was a 2018 team from Miami that wasn't all that great, and they beat us. So, shit happens. Uh, I don't foresee that happening, but, again, that's why the game was played. We are going to start off with um, statistics. We're going to allow Taylor to tell us what it is that Miami does well if it, if they're doing anything well besides kicking field goals, that is. Um, Taylor, let me know if they're doing anything worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of looks like everything's going to be hinging off of Tyler Van Dyke. He coming off a shoulder injury in the big loss. You're trying to find ways to be efficient. He's been practicing this week, but he's kind of been on that side where you don't know if he's questionable, don't know if he's there. It's just kind of a weird situation going on there. So I really don't know if you're going to get a Tyler Van Dyke or if you're going to go ahead and get a Jake Garcia. Um and Jake Garcia didn't really look great against Virginia. He completed 15 of his 29 passes for 125 yards. That doesn't scream like an elite quarterback to me one bit. And Ja'Curry Brown is a guy out of Valdosta, Georgia. We actually recruited him at Florida State, ended up going to Miami. He hasn't been a passing threat at all. Uh, he's kind of like the Chambers kid from NC State. Uh, he's kind of a rushing threat, wildcat kind of quarterback, change of pace. Um, you could kind of see him in that wildcat situation there but I don't necessarily think he's going to be more of a passing threat. So really it all hinges off of Tyler Van Dyke being healthy, if their offense is going to be successful and, and things like that. But overall, I mean, rushing offense, Henry Parrish is a guy they really like. He was transferred over the premier, uh, kind of a smaller back at 5'10", 190. I think he's a really good back, but the problem is, is you really don't have anybody behind him. I mean, you got a guy like Jalen Knighton who's actually had some fumbling issues this year. He's kind of struggled and, he was a former Florida State recruit that they really liked. Uh, actually was committed at Florida State under Taggart and ended up decommitting there when Mike Norvell came to the helm. Um, but Thaddeus Franklin is another guy. Go on back. I think he's a very efficient guy, very strong. He's about six foot, 245 pounds. Could be somebody that gives Florida State fits when he gets into the red zone, but he's got to get there first. Um, receiving targets, Will Mallory at the tight end position. I think uh, Michael Mayer is a guy uh, at Notre Dame, I think. Kind of calls Florida State fits in the Notre Dame matchup, but 6'5", 245 pounds, can, can do some nice things. Colby Young, another guy, it's kind of emerged a little bit later on, 6'5", receiver. They've both got some really good skill sets, but past them, it's not really a whole lot there offensively. Um, offensive line-wise, they've allowed 21 sacks on the season. That bodes a lot uh, for Florida State going there with Jared Verse and Fabian Lovett back in, on the field. Uh, Brendan Snow from uh, Knowles 24-7, he actually talked about how when they were both on the field against Georgia Tech, they had 2.6 yards per play. That's not impressive whenever you're looking at, you know, you got guys like Lovett and Burst back there, and they're being disruptive. And that just doesn't bode well for a Miami offense that doesn't like to be behind the chains. And defensively, they're very aggressive, four-man fronts. You don't see a lot of exotic blitzes. They get home with their defensive back or defensive ends. And uh, also with their defensive tackle and winner, Taylor, is a guy I really like. I, I think that that guy is going to be able to kind of emerge later on. Mesador is a guy that had like three and a half sacks against Duke. Can't really base that off of anything. 
Um, there was just a lot of different things going on there. They don't really blitz a whole lot other than those four guys. They rely upon most of those guys getting home. Linebackers, they're really thin. They've only, I think, got four scholarship uh, linebackers going into this game. So, something you have to really watch out for. Corey Flagg is a guy they really like on the outside linebacker position. Uh, Caleb Johnson, the UCLA kid, uh, he's coming out there. They'll probably be two of, his, two of the starting linebackers that you kind of have to watch out for. But secondary, it's, it's a mess. 229 passing yards a game. Uh, I really like James Williams, but he didn't get – he got hurt last game, wasn't able to play against Virginia. Uh, Kitchens also is another guy that I really like there. Stevenson is a guy at corner I think can be really good, DJ Ivey. But they're prone to having these huge games. And really when you're looking at it, they're so inconsistent. They've only had seven interceptions. So the turnover chain, I guess, or whatever it is now, it's not even the chain anymore – hasn't really been utilized a whole lot this season. They haven't forced a lot of turnovers. And when you're looking at a, at a game where Florida State has basically shot itself in the foot with turnovers, now you're looking at an opportunity now where can Florida State actually put one and one together and be able to play a complete game like they did against Boston College. I think that's the uh, kind of the question you're going to have to look for in this game. But Miami offensively does not scare you. Their defense is going to be the one that scares you, specifically their defensive, uh, defensive line. I think is really something you have to piece it together. So overall, I think this Miami team, as they are right now, in a four and four football team, they're about where they are. I mean, they have some strengths on this team, but they also have some very good weaknesses that you can exploit uh, at a high level. And I think it's just all going to depend on: Are we going to get a hobbled Van Dyke? Or are we going to get a Jake Garcia that's very inconsistent with what he does? And maybe we might see a performance like they did against Middle Tennessee State or Duke. So who knows? Uh, James, what are your thoughts on Miami's running game in specifics? Because this past game, they, they rushed for like 106, I think, and then against Duke, they was only able to rush for 26 yards as a team. Um, do you feel like Florida State's defensive line can hold them, you know, under 100 or at least hold them to a respectable number because that's what they like to do with Mario Cristobal. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why their offense hasn't been able to um, explode, um, especially with Gaddis. Gaddis is very much so a run-first offensive coordinator, as well as Mario Cristobal has been that for so many years. But um, I don't think they can do that, um, especially if Fabian Love is able to come back. I think that's kind of one of our, our strengths, and they don't really have backs that are conducive to just being powerful. Like when we have played teams that have had success with us. Actually, the teams that have had most success with us against the run are teams with a dual-threat quarterback, and the quarterback was the one who had more success. So, like, if Jake Garcia or Ja'Curry Brown has to play, then I may th- I think they'll have more success with the running game. But Tyler Van Dyke is a straight drop-back guy, and I think for the first time since Boston College, Florida State will probably D-line will probably be one of the strongest um, – points because they're going to be able to pin their their ears back on third and long and they're going to be able they're big enough on the interior to make it more difficult for guys like Jalen Knighton who is who's proven to be a a runner that allows frustration to get to him um and Parrish who sometimes just doesn't finish runs like it is so I think um I think our D-line is in and better than bigger than that I would just say overall our front seven one of the things that's been very very impressive um, starting last year was low bro, Kalen DeLoach, and his ability to attack downhill. But we didn't really have somebody on the other side. But now we've got 
um, the UCF transfer that's been coming in that thing and just in Tatum Bethune coming downhill, filling. If we got both of those guys on the field at the same time, setting the tone. And then again, like I think um, Taylor mentioned that if we can play complementary football, essentially a complete football game, and you go up and you start scoring, you eliminate the pat, you eliminate the running game because now you've got to abandon your game plan because you're playing behind. And I think that's um, the key. I think our D line can do well, but I think our offense has to do well when our when our defense puts them in situations. Um, Kevin Still is a damn good defensive coordinator, even though I think some of his stuff is antiquated. But I do believe that he's going to have these guys in positions to make plays. It's just, can we break their will? Well, here, here are my thoughts. Like, I think that Florida State personally has to establish the run. They have to establish the run early in this game. We have to start beating up that defensive line or that front seven very quickly in this game because that is the, the core of their defense. Like, they – after they're starting seven, it kind of gets weary for Miami. They, their depth's not there in the defensive line. Uh, they do have a good starting seven. Uh, I'm not going to say great, but good. Um, so we get we got to start beating them up very quickly in this game. We got to have long established drives when scoring. Um, I'm fine with scoring fast and humpteen hundred points as well, but that's just not been our game, so to speak, against decent defenses. Um, so we're going to have to rely on the run. We're going to have to beat beat the linebackers up pretty pretty heavily and the defensive tackles. Um, so with that, Chip, do you think that Florida State can establish the run? We should have Trayshawn Ward back this week. He was in full pads this week um, practicing, so he should be back. I don't, I'm not sure if he's limited or not, but with that three-headed monster back there, which now you could pretty much say that we've got a five-headed monster because you can go all the way down to Rodney Hill and see just how he ran against Georgia Tech last week. So what are your thoughts as far as Florida State establishing the run early in this game? Well, establishing the run is definitely going to take the one-two punch of uh, <clears throat> of Ward and Benson. Benson's more punishing style coming in after Ward's patient running um i'm glad to hear that he is healthy that he was i mean i know pretty much all uh, even last week he was practicing full pads but they held up but they held him out of the game which which i think it was good for him to be held out an extra week um this 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 game right here is, is a good place for our line to establish their will over miami's Miami's front seven, like you said, Miami's front seven, they're, they're good. They're not great, but they're, they're good. Um, definitely top five in the ACC. Um, but you know, we, yes, we do have a three headed, uh, five headed monster, but you know, the thunder and lightning, uh, between total Philly and Ward. And then, you know, the thunder, which is Benson, um, we could rack up a lot of rushing yards, which that only benefits Jay Trav because it takes the pressure off him and opens up, you know, shots to Pittman and uh, Jay Will and all them. Taylor, can you can you uh, give us a little bit of information about what the wide receivers are going to see against these DVs and linebackers? Can we take advantage anywhere um, that's like extremely noticeable that we should see Florida State attacking a lot in any particular area? 
Yeah, uh, specifically their two outside corners and Ivy and Stevenson, they've allowed like 9.5 yards a catch. So, I mean, that's an area where they're trying to bend but don't break sometimes, but they end up losing their footing or something happens kind of crazily. And they've allowed a multitude of at least 30-plus yard gains. In the last, like, three games, they've allowed at least six of those. So, I mean, that's a situation where Johnny Wilson can take advantage, can high point the football very well. But if you want a burner and a guy that we've kind of talked about for the last couple of weeks, he really hasn't got it going just yet, is a guy like Micah Pittman. He's had those three catches for 22 yards against Georgia Tech, and you thought he was going to get everything kind of pieced together in that game. Some things didn't really go his way, but he even talked about that in the press conference uh, when he was talking about he didn't get his number called, but it's eventually going to come. So I think this is a situation where a lot of these Florida State wide receivers are going to take advantage of an aggressive Miami defense that's going to kind of pin their ears back a little bit and really get to them because I think this is a situation against an inconsistent secondary that you can really take advantage of and go deep against them. Well, I mean, that's great news for, like, Pokey, and it's really great news for Johnny Wilson. And who I'm really wanting to see emerge this week as they have. I mean, they've been doing great. Um, but I want to see us get Malik McClain and um, Michael Pittman more involved. I, I think that that with, with Pittman's ability to cross the field the way that he does or even do, do a comeback route, um, on the on the inside, I think it would help us out a lot. I don't see us doing it a lot. I see him crossing the field, or I see him doing a quick hitch. But I think he could attack the middle of the field more, maybe with even a, a simple hook route or just a comeback. Um, I think it's I think it's very important for Florida State to eliminate what Miami's doing as far as passing game, regardless if it's TVD or Jake Garcia. If you go back and watch them play against Texas A and M. The way that they cut off their passing game is because literally every one of their routes are a comeback route. Literally every play that they have is a comeback route, and that's due to the offensive line not being very good. So they're having to get the ball out quick. So it's a quick, like, seven yards out turnaround kind of deal. Um, and, James, like, if if our defense um, – We'll just say that we're going to play man-to-man probably most of the game, as we usually do. Do you feel like any of their wide receivers have the advantage over our corners or our linebackers as far as the tight end goes is where most people are worried because they do have – their leading uh, receiver as their tight end. So can we cover him in the in the flat? Is that possible? I mean, man coverage is very difficult. Um, Jacksonville's own Will Mallory – um, is their leading receiver from out of Providence High School. Really good, really, really good body. Um, I think um Kalen can or Tatum Bethune can go with him, but I think they're gonna really try to use him in situations where he leaks out late. And they're probably, especially if Jared Verse gets going early, they're gonna need him to at least get a chip or protection on Jared Verse. The guy that um hmm, gave me a little shock because but you know, broke clocks right twice a day. You know what I'm saying? So like this, this young, this um wide receiver, um, trying from um Colby Young. Colby Young is the guy who at 71 yard um catch um or, or reception against Duke. And sometimes our guys, I don't know if it's out of technique or if it's out of boredom, and they will give they have a propensity to fall asleep. And we've had teams not be able to get us on the big play, 
but the big play has been available sometimes. And the but when you got a guy like Tyler Van Dyke, if he is a gunslinger, if he feels confident, he's going to sit there and he's going to throw in games like this, you know, because I can speak from a guy who's played in this thing five times. As I tell you, I want to know when it matters. How about that? Um, help set the help rewrite the trend. But the game, when you think you've got it, got it, something completely different happens. The mojo's getting gone, bragger rights, old heads coming at you. There are there is talent, which has been one of the craziest things about Miami over the last 20 years. It's not a lack of talent. They've always recruited. They will tell you how many guys they have in the NFL, but the results have been mm, lacking for a team that puts so many guys in the league. So you're on that field with future NFL players. So if you go out and you think you're just playing the sisters of the poor, you're going to get knocked out. So I like our confidence as a fan base. I love the lack of confidence in their media and their realistic people in fan base. It reminds me of LSU, but even in LSU, we had all we and just most of this year, except for Boston College, we have it's been the theme the last decade, last five years, half a decade. For whatever reason, we don't know how to just get one more score. The death blow, like you've got them, they're laying there, they're asking for you to kill them. For my Game of Thrones fans, if you remember, um. What is it? The mountain. The mountain had got carved up by the um, like little the kind of fancy guy, and all he had to do was kill him. Easy kill, but he got cute, and then the mountain grabbed him, crushed his skull, and did those things. We can't get cute. Get him on the ground, snap the neck, keep it moving, and then it becomes fun. But if you let these guys stick around, there is enough talent on that Miami roster. Um, to be able to go. But I think Colby Young, Will Mallory, um, and even in the passing game, Rooster, excuse my bad, Jalen Knighton, um, they can do some things that can um, be a detriment to, to your football team. Taylor, what is, what's the difference? And if we've got Jake Garcia starting at quarterback versus Tyler Van Dyke, what, what does that look like for Florida State's defense? How much more improved is a TVD than a Jake Garcia? You're going to see a lot of flat routes. Curl routes, slants, you, you will not see anything deep down the field. That's how much of a loss this would be if Tyler Van Dyke does not play. Now, granted, you can still be able to utilize some of those flat routes, kind of like uh, James is talking about with Will Mallory. Um, you got to figure out who's going to be able to guard him. Is it going to be an Akeem Dent? Is Kevin Knowles going to come off his nickel position and be able to guard him at certain times to kind of hedge over and disguise the coverage a little bit more? Um, will you get a Jared Burst coming out in coverage just a little bit just to keep it honest? Um, you're just trying to figure out different ways to be efficient um, on the offensive side of the ball for Miami. And if you really only have your running back and you don't really have a scramble quarterback other than Ja'Curry Brown, you're trying to find ways to be efficient. And really this Miami offense is less than stellar. Um, I think they can come up with a couple of trick plays to get Florida State on edge and get them on their feet. Um, Florida State, like James has talked about, the secondary just seems like they're a little bit bored at times. It seems like they're just kind of a little bit lackadaisical, but they don't let anything behind them for the most part. Other than that trick play against Clemson, there was a couple missed moments there. But uh, just overall, I think it's a Florida State defense. It's got to keep everything in front of them. This is a quarterback that's only playing in his actual second start now. 
uh, with this kind of losing streak they got going on here. And it's just a team that's trying to get back on the right track. Or are they surrender uh, covering for the rest of the year? That's kind of something you have to be mindful of. I mean, this rivalry game, everybody knows what this matchup means. Mike Novell understands that. This team understands that. They got the feeling of last year. But can you be able to build off of that? Will you not let it avalanche to what happened in 2020 and just take advantage of a team that you thought, you know, was not that great? So, really, it just comes down to Florida State's defense being how it should be. And I think Florida State could be able to take care of uh, business this weekend. So, Chip, let's let's go ahead and just push forward. I like the game's on. Was that like we're in the fourth quarter? There's six minutes left. Um, we need a we need a field goal from Fitzgerald to to go up two scores instead of one. Uh, we can get within forty one yards. Do we trust Fitz to make that field goal, or do we have to go for it on fourth down? Uh, you know, Chris, after his last three kicks, you know, ever since he went back to the kicking motion, you know, the three step instead of the two step, like they were his his coaches were trying to get him to do. He's three for three. Um, he he, you just talking to him after the Georgia Tech game. He feels like he has his mojo back. You can see, you could hear, and and just feel the confidence back off of him. Um, yeah, I have no problem letting Fitzy go for uh, go for the the extending the lead kick. I and I, you know, I think his even his teammates and his coaches are now believing in him. Well, we'll start with James on this question, and then Taylor, and then Chip, you can follow up at the end there. Um, what core, whether it be offense or defense, who has to have the better game for Florida State to come out with a win? Offense. The offense has got to be clicking on all cylinders. you got to score. You, in these games like this, it's easier to win if you're applying pressure out the gate. Um, if, you know <clears> – <throat> Mike is really just dialing it up. Now that you obviously want the defense to get a stop, but this is a game where if you can get up by two scores, and I don't mean by two touchdowns, I'm talking like 10 points, you know, getting your kicker involved, or you get a, a, a it can feel like a lot more. Even if you get a score and then you get an immediate stop and you're driving down the field, it's gonna feel like 14, like a 14 point lead at some point. So if you're constantly applying pressure. And making them have to have long, and at worst, making them have to have long drives. The one thing Miami has been has not proven that they've been able to do consistently is drive the length of the field. So if you're keeping them inside of their own ten, and making them have to come out and drive, and then you're having eight to ten play drives where you're you're playing time of possession, but you're coming you're coming out with points, you're going to see yourself really dominate this game. Um, at worst, time of possession is what your offense needs. Texas A&M, time wasn't a lot of points scored. Time of possession, most of it, and that's where they kind of where they got to be at. Taylor, same question, but what athletes? You can name a few. What athletes need to have their best game on the offense to do that? Yeah, and I, I will allude to James's point. I think it's going to be the same situation. I think the offense has got to step up in this game. I think it's going to be like the second half of the NC State game. Florida State sees a wounded animal. Now you have to go take advantage of it. You have to put their foot on their throat at this point. They're a team that is not very good offensively. 
Rushing wise, they're they're okay. Florida State's done a pretty decent job with running backs, other than Will Shipley. I thought they've done a really good job. And James talked about it before. Dual threat quarterbacks ran the table against Florida State in their rushing defense. And when you have a guy like Tyler Van Dyke, that's you know kind of not mobile at all at this point. Jake Garcia, that's not really shown that ability either. Shakuri Brown has shown that ability, but he's only had a couple of limited carries. It's just a matter of time where Florida State has to realize that they are dealing with a wounded animal on offense at this point. You are going to their place where it's going to be a pretty decent amount of Florida State fans in there. It's going to feel kind of like a home game without the marching chiefs. I wish they would be able to come to the game, but, you know, we're going to we're going to slide back past that point a little bit. But, you know, it's just a situation where I think Florida State really has to take advantage of that. And I think this is a situation when you have an aggressive defense like this for Miami, I think they're going to be kind of coming with that four-man front. I think it's a situation where when they're thin at linebacker, you have to take advantage outside the backfield. So I think there's going to be a lot of running back passes, and I think there's going to be a situation where Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman are going to be blocking on the perimeter where you're going to have a horse to Philly going down the sideline in the flats. I think there's going to be a situation where you may even see a Ja'Kai Douglas wheel route. Uh, this is going to be a situation where Florida State's going to have to use that to their advantage because Miami's linebackers are going to have to go sideline to sideline, and I don't think they have it in them. So I think this is a situation where Florida State's going to run the ball efficiently. They're going to pass it to the running backs, and they're going to use that short passing game to be able to get those wide-open opportunities and keep the red zone offense kind of simplified as we go throughout the game. Well, Chip, so Taylor said we were going to not talk about this, but we're – we're fixing to talk about this. The reason that the Martin Chiefs are not coming, from my understanding, now this is my understanding from reports from everybody else. Um, the Martin Chiefs aren't coming because, not because we don't have money, uh, not because we don't plan on us going, um, but we're not going because of how we were treated the last time we were in their stadium. Supposedly the Martin Chiefs had beer cans, other trash was thrown at them, stuff of that nature. And also, they want to put us up in the third, basically up in the rafters, and where we can't be heard. They want to drown us out with their audio. How sad is it that a fan base can't allow the opposing team's band to come and play? So much so that you, you've, your all humanity has went away, and you've become an animal that you have to. Th- especially like a gorilla or a monkey. I don't know if you've ever seen them at the zoo, but where they crap in their own hand and throw it at people. That's essentially what Miami fans are doing to the marching chiefs. So therefore our marching chiefs can't come. How sad is that in your opinion? Oh, it's very sad. And especially when they want to, you know, stick them up in the, in the nosebleeds and thinking they're going to drown us out with their audio because they sure as hell can't drown, drown us out with their crowd noise because probably 90% of the crowd is going to be Seminole fans. Um, you know, I expect nothing less out of, uh, the hurricane fans or tropical storm or wind, wind damage fans, whatever you want to call them. But uh, something I want to add from what y'all were talking about earlier that was, you know, uttered by James, the cane killer. And then Taylor is you like that. Don't you James? <laughs> you, uh, this is the perfect opportunity for Norvell and the coaching staff to establish their will and basically go ahead and plan the funeral and go ahead and bury little Mario is if they get the opportunity, do not take your foot off their throat at all. This is the time just to go ahead and bury this. And by, if we, we bury Miami that bodes well, like the recruits are going to see, you know, this guy's talking all this shit, 
but he still can't, you know, he just got destroyed by the better team in Tallahassee. So that's what I'm hoping. I know that kind of jumped off subject, but I kind of wanted to throw that in. Oh, no, that's perfectly fine. James, is it? Is Can it I stick on that real quick, though? Because I'm a bangy. Um, sure. And I say that, listen, because I know in this day and age, actually, I really don't care. I love the band. So, like, it could be, I've, I, I've fulfilled my fantasy earlier this year. So I say it as a guy who literally did play the saxophone. Um, I think you have to add all of that stuff up, and it all adds to the intrigue of the rivalry and in recruiting. So you go out there. And I would love nothing more than Mike to say, we've got it built. We've got it rolling. Because it's going to take them a few years to get it going. Even if they – because I don't think anything's going to really change for the 23 you know, twenty three recruiting classes. These guys committed to Florida and Miami with them being terrible. But you got to go down there and say, not, see, this is what we do. We protect our own. Um, I forgot. Oh, let me see. Jeff Cup sent us a message, um, us former players. So, you know, we do the victory walk. And – it was it was really dope what their their team saying is um, this year. It, it kind of reminded me of when Odell came up and he was like, "We're all we got." Um, but the team slogan is, "All we got is all we need," and you got to come out there whoop that ass and say, "This is for the band," <laughs> because like let's just let people know because all we got is all we need. So that's just my thoughts on it. Um, I don't care what they did. It's unacceptable. And I think that's where Mike Alford and guys need to come up and just realize that, you know, as we do in high school ball, we always tell coaches um, or athletic directors when they won't let us have certain concessions, like to help set up. We always like, remember, you got to return the favor next year. So whatever you do to us, ask yourself, are you wanting that done to you next year? So, I mean, even though I don't think there's a bad seed in dope, but, Put them on the sunny side all the way up there and, you know, give them 20 seats and just say, hey. But then again, I don't even really remember how big Miami's band is. They may not even have one, so they don't care. They, they weren't very good. Go ahead and speak on that. Oh, well, no, we're trying to have two live crew come out of retirement to play something. Taylor, um, is this game against Miami more important than the game that we're going to play against Florida later on? I mean, if we win this game – we become bow eligible. Uh, we'll be on what's considered a winning streak against Miami. We'll be two now. Um, is this more important, or is the game at the end of the year against Florida more important? And I'm not asking this question because I want to know. I'm asking this question because fans are asking. Oh, yeah. I think this is way more important just to go into their own territory at this point. I get that if, if you go into Florida, and let's just say you're seven and four at that point, and you lose to Florida at the end of the year. That Florida team is really good. I mean, the, Anthony Richardson has his inconsistencies as a quarterback. But overall, that team, specifically the offensive line, is really, really good for Florida. Um, I know everybody clowns about the dismissals they've had and some of the guys are transferring out and all that other stuff that's going on in Gainesville right now. But that first-year head coaching staff right there is actually a pretty decent foundation for what you're going to see at Florida. I think they're in a, a lot better shape than Miami is right now even though Miami's recruiting efforts are very good at this point. Um, and as James talked about, I don't really see a Kamani McClain uh, committing to Florida State off this game. You know, you see some of those recruits that are in attendance right now. They may be bored because there may not be that many people in there. I mean, it may be a situation where they're looking at that sideline and they're kind of thinking, okay, well, this is a college environment. Um, 
I, I just don't think this game has a lot of, I guess you could say, flip potential for some of those guys because I believe Emory Williams is going to be there, the quarterback commit from Miami. I don't really think there's going to generate a lot from the 23 class per se, but I think this is very massive for the 24 kids that are coming next year. So I think this is a stepping stone. You're kind of seeing uh, Mario Cristobal having a losing record. They're coming over and playing uh, Clemson and also Pittsburgh later in the year. They have you know kind of a, a chance to not make a bowl game this, this season. So I think that's very huge also because you knock them off the podium. It's a rivalry game at the end of the day, but – this is a situation where you saw last season, if you start off really bad and you don't win against your rivals at that point early on in the season, recruits take advantage of that. But by the time, you know, we play Florida at the end of the year on November 25th, that's a situation where I don't even know if it really matters at that point. I mean, recruits have already made up their mind and they're getting to, I, I believe, early signing period is I think December the 14th, somewhere in that range. And it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, Florida State's two weeks away from that early signing period at that point, and it's just a situation where I don't know if it really matters to that point. Chip, would you say that this game's more important than the Florida game? We we do realize that we equally hate Florida and Miami. I don't know if it's extremely equal, but it's close enough to say it's equal. But is this is us winning this game and being bow eligible right now? more important than us beating Florida at the end of the year. Would you rather win this one than against Florida? Oh, man. Uh, it made me sick to my stomach to lose either one. But, I mean, honestly, we, we need to get bowl eligible first. Focus on that first. You know, get Mike Norvell, you know, basically pop his cherry, let him get his first, you know, bowl taste with the Seminoles. You know, he had, he had that with Memphis, but this is a different animal. Um, yeah, it's more important for us to win this game, but but like James and I'm sure Taylor will will echo in is it's going to be important to win Florida also. Yeah, uh, James, the do you feel like Benson or Trayshawn Ward or Toa Philly is going to have the better game far as rushing goes i think benson will and i think because just the sheer ability to run it down i think treshawn is going to come back and do what he does best he's one of the his skill is in his patience um you have to in the, in this kind of scheme you can't just cram it down the wrong hole you got to be able to visualize see it see it develop and then accelerate and where ward lacks is that home run speed he um very much so reminds me of now New York Jets running back James Robinson, um, former Jacksonville Jaguar, um, whereas he has elite vision. He can get you 20, 20 yards. He can move the chains. But will is he as exciting as a Travis Etienne? Now, where Benson's problem is, is, man, he's going to make the hole wherever he decides the hole to be. Now, when you combine both of those and you're playing, again, time of possession ball, you've been on the field for a long time. Like, they talk about wide receivers having alligator arms. Linebackers get a little bit of alligator arms, too, when they try to come up and make that tackle. It's a lot of shoulder, a little bit less enthusiasm and not wrapping up. And that's a big boy. Um, and he gets top speed very, very fast. As well as also when they're, they don't have – everybody talks about the lack of depth at linebacker. They started the season having a lack of depth on the interior at D tackle. So if you're getting whooped, 
and, and our center, our center two guards are pretty good. It's the tackles where we're still struggling due to injury. But if those guys are whipping up on those guys, and they're not getting off those blocks. He's at top speed, getting up on a linebacker who's getting his first real taste of action this week. That's not the guy that I would want to be banging on. So I think later in that third and that fourth quarter, he could start wearing and start breaking off some of those big runs. And I think that's really what um, is why he was brought here. Taylor, what wide receiver is going to lead Florida State in receiving yards come Saturday, in your opinion? I will say that it's probably going to be a guy like Micah Pittman, but I don't think it's going to be that much of an output. I think he may have about 40 yards. Um, I think this is a game where they run the football a lot. I think they're going to have about 200 yards. And uh, I'll go ahead and answer the previous question. Um, I don't even think three of those running backs get a total of 100 yards. I think Jordan Travis is going to get over 100 yards in this game. Uh, so I think this is an opportunity where Jordan Travis understands and the coaching staff understands that he has to utilize his legs. He only had a carry for seven yards minus the sack um, that he had in that game. He wasn't utilized a whole lot. And I think they understood that and they were going to bring him on to have more of an expanded role in a rivalry game against an aggressive defensive front with no linebackers that can really go sideline to sideline. I think he's going to have an absolute field day and I think he's going to average about 100 yards, 105, something to that range. Um, I do think Trey Benson's going to be the leading carrier just because I think that Treshawn Ward is kind of slowly getting back. He may have about 30, 35 yards. Uh, and Warren Philly, I believe, is going to have a little bit more impact receiving out of the backfield rather than just running the ball up the middle. Chip, what are your thoughts on the leading running back and who's going to be the top wide receiver? I'm going. I'm. I'm. I'm also going. I think Jordan Travis is going to lead the team in rushing uh, in this game. Um, I see Benson being the leading carrier as far as carries, uh, but I, you know, I also see um, possibly Rodney and uh, CJ maybe getting some carries in this game. We can't forget them either. You know, um, both of them have been. You know, CJ and his his limited amount of carries, and then Rodney with his carries in, in the three games he's played this year, we got a hell of a backfield. And um, as far as passing, I, you know, I see this basically kind of being like, it's the, the run, the run's going to set up the pass and you're not going to have a receiver with that many yards, but what yards they have are going to be the game changing, the, that, that lead to the scores. All right. Um, James, we'll start with you. Uh, we're going to do the score predictions, um, if y'all are good with that. if I'll let James go, Taylor, Chip, and then I'll give mine. Uh, what do you see the score being, um, Florida State and Miami, uh, whether Tyler Van Dyke plays or not? I think it's 31-17, uh, Florida State. I think uh, Miami will uh, get some points. Um, I think they – you know, potentially get a field goal. But um, I don't really th – I think Florida State um, dominates it for the most part. Um, and, you know, but there will be some time where a little bit of adversity um, will hit. Um, they'll make some adjustments, and then they'll be able to hit Florida State on a big play. But I do I do believe Florida State ha is just a better team right now than the University of Miami. 
Man, James, are you are you looking at my sheet over here? Because I, I got 31 to 17 as well. So same points. I think it's just the same uh, kind of outlook there. I think we're going to run the ball efficiently. I don't think we're going to do anything cute in the red zone anymore. I think we are we were established as a 20 to 20 team. And then all of a sudden, when you get to inside the 20, everything broke loose. Uh, I think this is a game where they're running up the middle. They're being able to utilize and be smart with the football. I think Jordan Travis understands how important this game is. Before you play a pivotal game against Syracuse the next week, I think Florida State's not looking ahead in this game. They want to absolutely destroy Miami in this game. And I think it could be a 31-10 game before Miami scores a little bit later. Uh, this is a national TV broadcast that Miami fans just wish they had the last couple of weeks. And unfortunately, Florida State was able to kind of give them that opportunity and I don't think Florida State's going to take the opportunity lightly. I think this is a situation where Mike Norvell is going to put his foot down because the last time that he came in there and he was out for COVID, wasn't able to play, but he was there on the webcam and looking at all those guys on the field and lost by 42. Uh, I, I'll even share a little funny story real quick. Um, I did an Instagram post yesterday. Um, it was a reply with Keir Thomas talking about Derek King, talking about the 52-10 game. Uh, I said, yikes, in the uh, post. And Derek King had to comment on it and said he didn't play in the game. It wasn't his team, but he did suffer a seasoning injury. He was still on that roster. Um, he, he did actually uh, redshirt after four games at Houston, decided to transfer over to Miami, got lucky with a COVID year, and then got hurt. Uh, it, it is what it is. And a lot of Miami fans are talking about how Derek King was a situation where he played a whole lot better. Well, what did you think about Van Dyke last year? Van Dyke was the same situation. They were – optimistic about him because they saw so much promise and he was the next coming of Joe Montana. When you look at that situation with last year with Florida State, no wide receivers, not really an inconsistent defense at times. Defense line was really good, but just a lot of different problems that Florida State was facing adversity-wise, and you saw Florida State pull out the victory at home. Now you're going to a Miami game where you have to win this game. You have to get ball eligible and go um, six and three and get some good momentum for next season. I think this is a perfect recipe for Mike Norvell to get his revenge back and get back on the right track for his team. Chip? You know, one thing I've learned uh, this season and doing these podcasts with y'all is not really to go against the score predictions of what Taylor usually has and then what Chris has because y'all been right a hell of a lot more than I have. Uh, I'm saying 31-13 Florida State. Um, I, um, think it will be 31 to six before Miami gets that, uh, give me touchdown in the fourth quarter. I had to say that because, uh, I was th- first I was thinking 37, 13. I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to go with 31, 13. Well, I'm going to stick to my original prediction. I was watching a different podcast earlier this week, and I had two score predictions. One was with Tyler Van Dyke playing. One was without. But I'm going to stick with it regardless whether he plays or not. Um, And mine's a little bit more substantial than what they have. Um, I've got Florida State winning this game 44-17. to Uh, The reason that I say that is because I think Florida State establishes the run extremely fast in this game. I also think we score on the first few drives that we have. I also think that we force Miami into two or three three and outs pretty quick in the game before adjustments are made at halftime. Uh, I do think that Miami comes goes into half 
with six to nine points, just depending on how it works, but six to nine points all off of field goals uh, before halftime, and they'll make some adjustments, and they will get a touchdown in the game. But I have Florida State establishing the run really quick. Um, I will I say – um, Master Mono did not punt last week. We established the run very good, and you know you saw the performance that we had last week. How many punts does he have in this game? If if like you're saying, we establish the run, we do everything the right way, we blow them out in that fashion. What? How many punts is he doing? Is he even seeing the field in this game? He will, and um, most, if not all, of the punts will come in the fourth quarter when we start getting conservative. Um, I, I think that he punts a total of four times um, at most, uh, at least two times. But I'm saying he'll punt at least four times. Um, and, and I do. Here's the thing. I think that these drives that Florida State has are going to be long. I don't think it's going to be a short drive. I think it's going to take four to or three to six minutes off the clock on the drives. Um, and I also think that we – we cut Miami's head off. The only thing that I'm worried about that's going to mess with my score prediction at all is um, pre-snap penalties for Florida State on offense. I'm worried about that a little bit, which will get us into more third-down situations than I would like to see. Um, so if we can clean that up, uh, then I stand really well with my score prediction. But I think that we don't get cute in this game like we have. I think we've learned from trying to do crazy stuff on the two-yard line. God, I hope so. I hope we don't do any goofy shit. Um, and I think that Florida State plays an extremely clean game when it comes to offense. Uh, defense, I think there's going to be a minimum of two targeting calls on each team, like, well, one for each team. I think that this game is going to be a, a Florida State-Miami game. I think they're going to try to knock the hell out of each other, and I think there's going to be some crowns of the helmets leading. Um, I'm just hoping that the guy that receives those types of hits isn't Jordan Travis. That's the only thing that I ask for, is that Jordan Travis not do too much in this game and get hurt. Because becoming bow eligible and then losing the remainder of the season is not good with me. Um, I would prefer to pull the game out by winning and having a healthy-ish Jordan Travis, not uh, not all banged up. But what I will do is, is ask everybody to let everyone know, one, where to follow you, and secondly, I want you to all give a small piece on yourself why you started covering Florida State in the first place. Taylor, you can start. Uh, well, you can find me at Norvell Central on Instagram. You can also find me at Central Norvell on Twitter. Um, reason I became a, a Florida State fan page at this point, uh, it was right after Willie Tiger got fired. Odell was the interim head coach. Uh, it was a situation where Florida State was kind of going through a negative kind of energy that kind of needed – it felt like all the blame was placed on certain individuals at this point. Uh, I wanted to find a way to turn that negative energy into positive energy at that point. thought the fan base was kind of at a, at a point where they really didn't know. It was at a crossroads where they were blaming everyone. Why don't we have Fisher back? Why did we fire Taggart? Why did we bring in Mike Norvell? It just seemed like there was a lot of different things going on in the situation. And I kind of wanted to be that positive voice to be able to kind of give back to the fan base. And I've always wanted to do this. It's just kind of a situation where it was a perfect timing, and I thought it was only right to do so. Chip? Um, you can catch me at Unconquered850 on Facebook. 
Um, the reason why I started a fan page is uh, just a conversation running into Burt Reed here in, uh, in Panama City. And um, just, you know, we probably stood, stood at the gas station for about 45 minutes talking football. And uh, it was a way for me to get back into the game. You know, I like, like, like you all know, I played small college. I didn't play big level like James. But I grew up watching Florida State. I grew up loving the sport of football, and this was a way for me to connect to, to people that I watched, that I adapted relationships with going to camps and just going to games and everything. And it's, you know, hell, I've made, I've made some really good friends and, you know, and good contacts doing this. And, you know, it's, it's nice getting a meeting some uh, former Noel players and just being able to unite talking football you know their experiences my experiences it's just it's, it's been a blast james i think part of it's obvious but i think the other part some people might not know um james coleman at big game james underscore 36 or at sports den live uh, sports den underscore live twitter and ig um three days monday wednesday fridays we bring you um, really sport, really big games, BS sports or whatever. I feel like discussing um, lately. There's been a lot of Kanye for whatever reason, just kind of way things goes. But um, that's why I love coming on shows like this. So I can actually talk about my first, one of my first loves is Florida state. I got bullied into um, writing um, and covering Florida state. I, I started sports. Then was Florida state's angle local to Jacksonville. So we did that. They made a website called gridiron. Now, they wanted to get from SEC into ACC, and I just happened to have some good leads. And one of the most exciting times to have a website is during a coaching search or a coach would get fired. So with, it was Jimbo Fisher's last year. Um, I got a chance to break a lot of news. or broke LSU, um, excuse me, UF firing um, their coach. Also, who UF was going to hire, broke Willie Taggart being hired, broke Jimbo being fired a bunch of other different things. But most importantly, what I was able to do is figure out how to talk in the voice of a regular fan and not sound pretentious. And that's just how I talk. Um, a lot of people would tell you to be something that you're not, and I'm a proponent of being 100% authentic to who you are. And I am an athlete. I came out of the locker room, and I talk like athletes talk. And I have gotten an opportunity, because I'm an athlete, to talk to a lot of different athletes and be able to kind of bridge the gap between what people know and then also get into some very fun exchanges on Twitter between the people who are the powers that be like saying things like nobody talks about that kind that's the, I've never heard that statistic anytime in the locker room or a lot of different things that you know that are fun but also making people realize that sometimes in our spot we we overcomplicate a very simple sport and to bring it to the simplest part if you want to win, give the ball to the goddamn fullback. That's it. If you just if you just keep it that simple, football is easy. We were a better country when everybody used the fullback. Like, really, I would wear a MAGA hat if somebody campaigned on bringing the fullback into eleven man football more consistently. But that's just what I wanted. That's what I came to do, and and to and a party. Like, so throw throw really good tailgate. So that's basically it. Well, guys, I appreciate everybody coming on. I'm going to sum this up in the last five minutes. Uh, as always, I appreciate each and every one of you for coming on. You all have your own following. You do your own thing. Um, I'm actually a 
I'm not just saying this because you're on my show. I'm actually a fan of what each and every one of you do. I like the content from each and every one of you. Um, I was telling James earlier today on the phone, I've got the guy that does the statistics that captivates the guys that love statistics of football and the more depths of what numbers mean. I've got the guy that played small ball that knows how to talk to the group that understand how much they're passionate about this sport and they can articulate that in a way that I cannot. And then I've got the former athlete uh, slash uh, celebrity status in ways of being at Florida State that can articulate to, to a different fan base than I can. So I appreciate each and every one of you for what y'all bring to the show. Um, I appreciate y'all coming on and sharing. Uh, one, I'm starting to call people experts because, like uh, Chip said a minute ago, he stopped going against our score predictions uh, because we're right a whole lot more than we're wrong. Um, so it means we obviously, at some point, we're all figuring out what's going on and we're getting it right. So I appreciate y'all coming on. If you don't mind falling off, and I'll continue the last four minutes. And y'all have a good one and go Knowles. Well, guys, that is the group, that is the crew that comes on Spirit Addicts and Speaks every Monday and Thursday at 7.30. We appreciate everybody that comes on and listens. I asked everybody at the end there why they started covering Florida State football. I'm going to tell you why I do it as fast as I can because I've got a few minutes left. I started covering Florida State about the same time Taylor did when Willie Tiger got fired and Mike Norvell, well, we were on a coaching search. I knew that this fan base was not ready for – this at all. Um, we weren't even ready to get rid of or lose Jimbo Fisher, however you look at it. Uh, so I knew a lot of negativity was coming. This fan base has been spoiled. Um, but the main reason that I started covering Florida State athletics, especially football, because of the greatest coach on earth, um, and that's in Bobby Bowden. I, want I wanted to be more like Bobby Bowden. I wanted to do things more as if he did it to, to make sure that these young men grow up to be greater men and to to leave that is, is hard to do. So to see Coach Bowden pass away earlier um, was extremely hard for everybody that was a Florida State fan. It was a, it was a, it was a well-lived life. He didn't waste any part of his life, and I felt like that I didn't want to waste any part of my life. So I started covering Florida State. Um, I had a couple of Florida State greats tell me that if you sit down and talk to me long enough, that if Bobby Bowden and Mickey Andrews had a kid, it was me. That was a great feeling to have. It was a great compliment that I don't think a lot of people would know what to do with. And I personally didn't know what to do with that compliment either. I really appreciated the compliment. And I really appreciate this university. I appreciate the athletes that go and do what they do. I appreciate the university for everything that they do. I appreciate what Florida State stands for. I appreciate what that unconquered statue stands for. I appreciate mostly um, what the Seminole tribe is. Um, they were never conquered. They never signed a uh, peace treaty. They never gave up their property, their land. It was theirs and it still is. So I respect that uh, beyond anything that I could imagine. I love all of y'all. Uh, I've seen all the com uh, comments where y'all say you love this show and that you love me. I love each and every one of the fans. If it wasn't for y'all, the show wouldn't go. If it wasn't for y'all, I wouldn't want to do this. Um, I appreciate each and every one of you for supporting Spiratics. 
I appreciate each and every one of you for buying T-shirts and helping out the athletes at Florida State. And I appreciate everything that you do for this university, whether you're a booster or you're just a fan. As long as you work on it in gold, you're a friend of mine. But I care about each and every athlete across this country if they're in college sports. So remember that, regardless if they go to Miami, Florida, or Florida State, FIU, uh, UCF, USF, it doesn't matter where they go, I care about them. Y'all have a good one. This is Chris Fraser with Spirit Addicts and Go Knowles.